I have today um, something to share with you. And this is very important. I think <laughs> the more you hear me, um, you know, communicate a message, probably the more you will know about me because I tend to share things that happen. Um, and here is a confession. A confession is that I have really bad memory. Um, I struggle with my memory. In fact, Sunday mornings are very difficult for me because whenever I go, I live in a, an apartment complex, and whenever I look for my car, you know, I don't have a specific spot. It's just wherever it's available. Whenever I go to look for my car, I cannot remember where I left it on Friday. Usually on Saturday, we use my wife's car. So on Sunday mornings, I'm like all over the parking lot trying to find my car. Uh, that's how bad my memory is sometimes. But um, I want to share with you a memory that I will never forget. A memory that will stay for me for the rest of my life, I'm sure. And it's the following. Um, I'm from Colombia. Um, I lived there until I was 18 years old. And um, in Colombia, especially on, on those days, um, I would say probably 95% of the people um, were Catholics, right? Um, and that was the case with me. But I say Catholics because, in fact, uh, we only went to church probably whenever there was a, a baptism or, you know, something special. And, you know, God wasn't part of our lives at all. Even though I went to um, a school that was with priests, in fact, um, you know, I didn't have a relationship with God. And my grandmother, she was living in Charlotte, North Carolina. And she come to us and visit uh, in Colombia like every two or three years. And it was wonderful because and the first time that I remember we took a trip with her, uh, I was about 10 years old. And my mother, my, my father and my mother separated when I was very little, like six months. So I was living with my mother. And then my mother worked in an airline. So she would travel a lot. Um, so I remember this particular time my grandmother went to Colombia to visit us. And on that particular Sunday, my mother was flying, and my grandmother, she has a wonderful relationship with God. She is, I mean, I, I thank her so much for her prayers, um, because I know they had to do a lot with where I am right now. Um, so for all of you that have grandkids, um, you know, keep praying for them. And keep showing them uh, the love that God has shown you. And anyways, uh, she went there and she took us on Sunday, or she took me on Sunday, to a Christian church. Um, this is my first time going to a Christian church. But in that particular time, um, the, the church that we went, it was at a house but I'll never forget, it was a regular house. It was a very normal house. They removed everything that they had on the living room and also in the dining room. But I remember that it had to be at least 100 people inside that house. It was packed. Um, it, I mean, 
It was very simple. You had the pastor. He had a guitar. It was worship time. Um, it was something very simple, but it was packed. I remember the stairs going to the second floor, and people, probably there were like 20 or 25 people just in the stairs alone, just staying there, and, and they didn't care at all. And this is what hit me. When I entered that house, I wasn't impressed so much with the quantity of people. I was impressed was with what was going on at that moment. I felt a peace that I never felt before. And with that, I felt a joy that I never felt before. And I would look at the people, and even though it was only a guitar, no microphone, nothing, just a guitar, but they were worshiping with all of their hearts. And, and you can tell that they were really uh, singing and worshiping to God. And, you know, now I understand that what I felt that way that, that day or, or what I was able to witness was just the presence of God in that house. And it wasn't, it wasn't the building, it wasn't the instruments, it wasn't the microphones. It was just people worshiping God. And I will never forget that, that, that uh, experience that I was able to have. And now in Colombia, everything has changed. Uh, God has been moving powerful in the last 25, 30 years in Colombia. Now it's amazing, but you hear of a church that goes and has their service in a stadium in, in the capital, um, a stadium that fits 50,000 people. And that's where they have their service. Imagine that, 50,000 people uh, hearing the word of God. And, and not only that, uh, there is another, another church uh, that is more to the north, to the, to the ends of the, of the city, to the borders of the city. And people will line up for one or two hours before the service so that they can enter the church. And the church is huge. And sometimes the people cannot even enter and sit in the main auditorium. They have to stay on the outside and they have to watch the service on a TV. So imagine that one or two hours waiting online and they, they sometimes don't even get to be in the worship room. And, and to be able to get to that place, um, you know, you probably need to take a bus and, and be on that bus like for about an hour. So... So imagine, imagine everybody that is going, and that's how much they love God, that they, they don't care about spending three hours just to get into a service and hear the Word of God. And, and everything has changed, and, and, <laughs> and I always wonder, <laughs> what if one of those people will come here? And they, they wouldn't have to wait anything, and they have plenty of chairs available. And we live in a difficult, not only season, but only also the place that we live. Sometimes God has blessed us so much. And we have to be careful to be able to um, pass the test of the blessing, I say. Because if a blessing is going to drive you away from God, then it's no longer a blessing. It might seem like a blessing, but if, if, it's, if it's driving you or taking you apart from God, it, it might not be a blessing anymore. So I always wonder what is on their heart of those people that they don't care to be on a, on a bus ride for an hour, that they don't care to be in a line for two hours, 
just to be in the presence of God. And, and I also wondered that with the people, uh, with the apostles. Um, now, what Jesus made on those days was something that was like a revolution. I think about this, like you had many different religions at those days, you know, outside of Israel. Um, they have many different gods. They have a god for everything. In fact, when Paul was going to different cities, he mentions in the Bible that there were uh, statues and that there was a statue for every god, even for the unknown god. And he took that statue and he started preaching about the real god. And, and they had gods for everything. And, and the message that Jesus came to bring was totally different. And I know a lot of people had to wrestle with that. And Jesus, he was, he was preparing for ministry for 30 years, but he only did, you know, the ministry for three years. And then it was up to the apostles, up to the disciples to be able to continue the message of God. And it says that in about 17 years, everything changed on that area in Jerusalem. In fact, within the next 200 years, you know, it was the main religion in the whole area. So they changed everything. So what drove the apostles, the disciples, to be able to share a message that was like a revolution and, and, and for that to take place and, and become what it has become now, that after 2,000 years, we're still uh, worshiping God. And I know that, that God has to do a lot with that, and, and the Holy Spirit has to do a lot with that. Uh, but we enjoy, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we're able to do the same things that they were able to do back then. So what was the difference back then, and what is the difference today? Um, and today's message is known to be said that um, it's only going to be a couple of verses, but it's known to be said that it's the, probably the two most important verses that Paul ever wrote. And, and there is a lot of ways to bring that message, to communicate that message to you guys, but I want to communicate the message that, that meant for Paul. Um, he said those words for a reason. And, and God was behind all, and he was inspiring everything. But he, Paul was writing this letter to Timothy, and he wanted Timothy to know these verses. And, and, and you know, that's, 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 that's what I want to share today. I want to share with you not the theology behind the words, which are very important, which is crucial to be able to worship the correct God. But I want to communicate today what it felt, what it meant for Paul. And for Paul, this, this was everything. I think for Paul, it was probably the, 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 the foundation of his faith. Um, now, keep this in mind. Um, this message, uh, probably Paul uh, writes it to Timothy, but it's probably not the first time that Timothy hears this message because they were compadres in mission trips. They were together in different, and they went, you know, in, in those days you didn't have a car or a plane that you go to a mission, and then you spend some time working, and then you come back. 
on those days, you have to trouble by walking. Uh, you, you have to spend time together. You have to live together. And I'm sure that Timothy heard this message um, many different times. So why, again, Paul is, is bringing this up today I, or, you know, in his letter is because it was very important for him. So let's read the verses and then we'll, we'll take a look at a deeper, um, a deeper look to, to the verses. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, and he says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, take a look at this verse because I think it tells so much. For this, meaning the reason of this Past two verses, the reason for this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So, so these past two verses for Paul was a crucial part of his faith and, and just who he was. He says, I am who I am because I believe these two areas. This is a conviction for me. And let me tell you, I think Paul got to understand that, you know, whenever, whenever he was confronted with God, he wanted to change his life and he wanted to be a good person. I'm, I'm sure of, about that. But he understood that a good person is not based on the actions that you do. A true good person is based on the beliefs that you have, in the values that you have, because out of that will come the good actions. Otherwise, you're just faking it. Otherwise, you're just putting a face to, for others to see. But in reality, when, when those difficult days comes, then everything comes down, and you don't have nothing to stand on. So, so these two verses for Paul was his foundation, his faith foundation, and, and he considered it to be truth. I mean, it was to the core of his heart. So, so let's take a look at, at a, deeper, a deeper look to these verses. And let me point out to you three different things that I think Paul intended and that I think God intends to share with us today. And the first is to remember. Again, I mean, God knows us. He knows me that I have a terrible memory. Uh, not only to find the car, but that our tendency is just to deal with the immediate. Meaning that one day, if I'm here worshiping with you guys and declaring that God is our God and how great he is, and then if tomorrow I have a problem in my life, we tend to just concentrate on that problem and forget that we worship God. And, and this is not new. Um, I think this is a problem for humanity. Um, you can remember that, um, that passage for the Ten Commandments. Um, imagine this story. The, the people of Israel got out of Egypt and if a group of people were able to testify or see 
how great God was or is, uh, it was that group of people. Because they were able to see many wonders in their lives. Imagine you being on that group, traveling through the desert, and you, you, you get to, to the sea, and you, know, you have a mountain on one side, you have a mountain on another one, you have the sea on the front, and on the back you have all the Egyptians that are coming to kill you, and you have no way out, and then God, you know, a, a huge miracle, he opens up the water, and, and they walk through the, through the, through the, through the dry and then imagine just walking in that moment, just, just seeing water, like a wall of water on one side and a wall of water on the other one, probably a few fish going through the water, and you're just walking in the middle of it. I mean, there is no way to deny for those people that God existed. There is no way they were able to experience it, and there was no doubt in their minds. And then they come to a mountain that, they, that they're going to worship God. And they see the presence of God. And then Moses goes up to the, to the mountain and, and he meets, meets with God. And he gets the Ten Commandments. And, and he then comes down to the people. And listen, listen to this because it's very, very important. In Exodus 22, it says, this is the beginning of the message that God wants to share with the people. It says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So God is reminding them that he, the one that is talking right now, is God. Is the one that provided everything that they were able to witness until that point. So the first thing is, is telling people that he is God, the only one. And look what it says. You shall have no other gods before me. The first thing that he tells them is, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. So he covered everything. He says, I am the God. I remember I'm the one that brought you out and, and you are here because of me. And here's the first thing that I want to tell you is I am your God and you shall have no other gods. And he's very specific. He tells nothing that is above, nothing that is in the earth, or nothing that is under the earth. I mean, he covered everywhere. Uh, so it was a clear message that for them, God was to be their only God. Uh, and, and he's sharing that. And, and then on verse 7, uh, this is uh, chapter 24, verse 7. This is the end of the message that God was telling their people. Look what it says. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. So this is everybody that was listening to the message that, had, that God had for them. 
And then after they hear it, they, hear it, they say yes and amen. <laughs> they say, yes, we, we know what you're saying. We will obey everything that you have said. Even the most important thing, the first thing, that you are our God. We will obey everything. And then what happened next is amazing because Moses goes back and meets with God again. And then he takes a little bit uh, longer than what the people was, um, was expect, expecting. Then he says, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together. And you know what happened next? They go with uh, Moses' brother and they say, Moses is probably dead already. We should do something about it. And the first thing that they say is, okay, let's make another God. Like, what? <laughs> now, I, I don't want to judge them. All I want us to see is that we have a tendency to say yes and amen, and we will obey God, and you are our God. And then 40 days later, when we have to endure towards a difficulty, when we have to be patient, when God is doing something amazing in our lives, but we don't get to see what he's doing behind the scenes, where God is preparing everything in our lives, and we don't see him, our tendency is to replace God with other things. Instead of trusting in a powerful God, then we start trusting in our finances. We start trusting in our relationships. We start trusting in how good or how intelligent or how, uh, uh, how good you are with you know, managing different situations to make it on your favor. And, and we all have that tendency. So, so I don't want you to judge those people. I want to, for you to look at yourself and say, yes, we as, as men have that tendency um, we as people have that tendency to forget about God. And I think that's why Paul is telling Timothy, first of all, remember this. I know that you have heard me preach this in every town that I went. Because this is the, the, the thing that drives me. This is my foundation. This is everything to me. But I want you to hear again. And I want you guys to hear it again today is, is, is to be able to remember who God is and what he has done for us. And as when we understand that, when we're able to see it and refocus in that truth, then our lives cannot stay the same. They have to change because the message of God, the, the things that he has done in our lives are so amazing that you cannot turn away from that. I know some of us, I know most of us have been able to really enter into the presence of God and that God has done so many beautiful things in your lives that there is no denying that God is real, that God is powerful and that he's everything for you. And not doing anything about that is, is crazy. So the only thing that we want to do is to remember who God is and what he has done for us. And that's exactly what, what Paul says to Timothy. The first thing that he, he says to him is, 
for there is one God. That's, that's the beginning for, for he is one God. He's our only God. And our trust should not be on other things that might take the place of God. Because I'm telling you, in those days, they had a lot of gods. And in some areas of the world, they still do. They, they, they have a lot of different gods. And even animals are gods to some people. Uh, but for us, we have to remember there is only one God. But here is, here, here is the most important thing. We don't have the problem of having other guys, other gods around us. But there are other things that can distract us from God. Other things that can become our God. And, and it's, it's so difficult in those days because we have so many distractions. And we have to keep the most important thing being the most important. Which is God in our lives. The center of our lives. So, so again, he, he tells um, Timothy, remember, there is one God. And then the second portion of that verse, 1 Timothy 2.5, he says, and there, is only, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So he not only remembers Timothy, that there is one God, and he must be the, the center of our lives, the foundation of our lives. He also remembers Timothy that the only mediator, the only, the only way that we have access to God is for the sacrifice that Jesus did on that cross. And, and look what it says. It says, the man, Christ Jesus, he's making emphasis that God, being who he is, creator of everything, powerful, real, and with so many things that he has done for us, everything that he is, he humiliated himself and became a man just so that you and me can have a new relationship with God. He reminds them, don't forget about what Jesus did on that cross for you guys. And that's why Jesus says, remember me every time you meet. Because he knows we have a tendency to forget. Probably we have heard this message so many times that the usual becomes something that is not as impressive as it was when the first time that we hear it. But we have to be intentional in remembering who Christ is and what he did for us. He, being a God, humiliated himself, became one of us, and died for you and me. He didn't come as a king. He came as a baby in, in, a, in a manger, in, 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 the, in the most humiliating thing his death was not a sudden death it was the most humiliating death in fact the cross on those days was the worst death that the romans which they were the worst of the worst on those days that was the worst death that they could give to a person and he suffered all that for us 
And he did it just so that we can have a mediator between us and God. So let's not forget about that. Because the reason you're able to experience God the way that you are is because of that sacrifice. And he tells us that his motive was love. So I don't care who you are. I don't care what you have done in the past. I don't care, you know, the situation that you have going on right now. God still loved us in such a way that he gave everything. This, this I will never understand. I will never give my son to die for somebody else. It goes beyond what I can do and what I can. But that's how much God loves us. He was able to give the most precious thing, his son, so that we can have a relationship with him. And Paul is telling that to Timothy. Remember that. That is crucial. Because whenever you, which is, which is the, second, the second thing, the second thing is recalibrate. Recalibrate. Whenever you feel that you're veering or, or moving or you know, going to the right or to the left, and you don't have God as a center of your life, come back to the cross. Come back on that sacrifice that he did for us. That will center you back. That will give the importance to God that he deserves. So whenever you find yourself too busy in different situations, too stressed about what is going on in your lives, you know, too, too busy to be able to, to have God as, a, as your priority, and whenever God puts that in your heart, remember, we have to recalibrate and go back to the cross. Look what it says in... Um, in the next verse, he says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. You know when this verse, when it, when, when it comes to the people, is right at the end when Moses finishing reading his ten verses, his ten um, commandments, his ten um, commandments. He says, So be careful to do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or to the left. Why God says that? Why, why God says, remember everything that I say and, you know, make sure you obey it and don't forget it. He says, be careful not to go to the left or to the right. Because sometimes in our lives, it's not the huge things that turns us 180 degrees from God. Sometimes what the enemy wants to do in your life is so little that sometimes we don't even notice. And we start going little by little to the left or to the right. It's not like, it's not like a sudden change and then you forget about God immediately. It's just little by little. He keeps distracting us little by little. And he wants to make that distraction now a little bit more important to you. And a little bit more important to you. And then you're hooked on that distraction. And then you forget about God. But God says, whenever that happens, remember, recalibrate, go back to the cross and remember what I did for you. And keep me as the center 
of your life. So, so this is very practical for you guys. If something turns you away to the left or to the right, remember the cross. It's because you're not centered in the cross. Go back to the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made for all of us. And the last thing is, the last thing that I want to bring to you is purpose. Because look what what Paul says in the next two verses. He says, Who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and in truth. I don't know if you hear it, but what Paul is saying is, I do what I do because of this. Having God as our only God and knowing the sacrifice that he did for us, it gives you a purpose. Now we understand that God gave everything for us. That there is no other gods, that there is nothing else. It's only him that created everything, even us. And that he gave everything for us. Our only reaction to that is for us to give everything to him. And now we understand that it's not about us. But it's to be able to accomplish the purpose of God in your lives. That's what is crucial. That's what is important for us to do. That is, that is what, what God intended us to do. He created us for a reason. He, the Bible says that he didn't need us. But he created us for a reason. And each one of us is so different. Which is, it tells the amazing creativity and, and the power of God. Everyone has a different situation. Everybody's so different. All of us are so different. Which being that God has a specific purpose for your lives. He says that he has prepared already beforehand things for you to walk in. So God has already prepared and put a purpose in your lives. And that is starts when we finally understand that there is only one God and that Jesus died for all of us. And that gives us purpose. In the case of Paul, he, was, uh, he says, For that I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So he knew once he understood these two things, he understood also his purpose. And sometimes we have so much difficulty with this because we say, okay, God, I understand these things, but what is my purpose? What is my specific purpose? And, and like I say, I don't think we should boil it down to one specific item. I think there is so many purposes that God has for you. But all of that will be revealed to you as you start walking in those purposes. Meaning, meaning if you just sit there in your couch and just wait for divine inspiration, I don't know, it's very unlikely that that is going to happen. It's as we start obeying what God is telling us to do in our lives that he starts showing different purposes for our lives. 
And that's what the disciples were able to experience. They wanted to follow Jesus to be a disciple of Jesus. But like I say, Jesus was only with them for three years or maybe less with some of them. But he had amazing things prepared for them. And they were able to change the world upside down after those three years with the purpose. And and look what it says, Jesus, just before going up to heaven, just before leaving this, this task to the disciples, look what it says. Look what Jesus says. He says on Matthew 28, 19, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, this is Jesus giving them a purpose for their lives. And it wasn't only meant for them, it's also meant for all of us, because all of us are disciples. Let me, let me show you the definition of, of a disciple. And the definition of the disciple says, someone who is following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. Let me read it again. Someone who is following Jesus, change is being changed by Jesus, transformed. We're being transformed, as Romans 12, 2 says, and is committed to the mission of Jesus. That message that Jesus was giving to the disciple was not only for them. It was also for us. But don't miss this because this is very important. Because sometimes we can continue to come here on Sundays, listening the message, and trying to become a better disciple of Jesus, which is so important in our lives. But God has way more than that. That message that Jesus was telling was to his disciples. He wasn't telling his disciples, continue to follow me and make your life all about improving yourself and making sure that everything that I teach you, you put into practice in, our li- in your lives. Jesus was way more than that. He was saying, you that are my disciples, now go and make disciples which is a totally different thing. So not only God wants us to be his disciples, but as part of being disciple, as part of being committed to the mission of Jesus, is to be able to make other disciples and be able to teach them everything that you have been learning and you have been experiencing. So Jesus wants out of all of us, this is very important because he didn't say, to all, only the pastors, or only the leaders, or only the people that work in the church. He's telling this message to all his disciples. And all of us are Jesus' disciples. He's telling us, don't just satisfy yourself by trying to continue to feed yourself about everything that I have to say. You have to go out there and teach that to other people. You have to make disciples You have to be disciples that make disciples. Let me tell you the definition of a disciple maker. And it's the following. 
a disciple maker, is a disciple of Jesus who enters into a relationship with other people to intentionally help them follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and join the mission of Jesus. So if you have problems understanding a purpose for your life, make this a purpose for your life. This is what Jesus is telling us as our uh, as his disciples he's saying go and find other people and i'm telling you there is so much that we can do here but the word of god didn't get to where it is unless disciples were involved in the whole process i don't know the people that you live with i don't know your family i don't know the people that you work with i only know the people that is on my, on my, you know, around me. And I can talk to them and I can show God to them. But if, if all of us joins together in this mission, then we could, we could be like a light on the desert. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like we are in an area that is like a desert spiritually. It's very blessed financially. I think I heard the other day that if California was to be a country, it would be like the fifth more powerful country or richest country in the whole world. Amazing. Amazing. God has blessed us so much financially here. But I wonder sometimes if that blessing has become a curse in the people's life where they don't need God anymore. And I feel like spiritual is like a desert. But we could be that voice in the desert. We could be that light in the middle of the night. I don't know. I loved uh, to camp with my kids. And I loved it because you could see the stars in a way that you never saw them uh, in the middle of the night. Because it was away from the light of the, the, the town, the, the, the city. And it was completely dark. And in the dark, you can see the stars like, like never before. And I think I, I go against the, the thinking that we're in a place that is very bad spiritually and we cannot do anything about it. I think the worse it gets, the more we can shine. The more we can be the light, the more we can be the voice, the more we can be the disciple, the more that we can give our testimony. Now listen to me, because this is crazy. Now, Jesus is telling this mission to the disciples. And you will say, well, yeah, they were the disciples. And Paul did, you know, he, he did so much. He, he ended up writing probably uh, most of the New Testament. But do you know that those disciples were people just like you and me? They, had an, they didn't have anything special. In fact, a lot of people, a lot of scholars say that the disciples were within the ages of 16 and 24. Imagine that. When you, feel, when you think about a disciple, you think one that has a, a long beard and that has a lot of experience and that is very committed. But they were, they were kids. <laughs> this, they were teenagers, the ones that were giving out the message of Jesus Christ. And then probably you say, well, you know, 
yeah, I, I'm not be the right person, but my, my problem is that I don't know the Bible. I'm not a scholar in the Bible. What if somebody asks me something? Well, the disciples didn't have the New Testament back then. <laughs> the New Testament was written as they, were, as they continued to fulfill that mission of Jesus Christ. So the, the only thing that they had was the relationship that they had with Jesus. That they were able to get to know him in a, in a way that nobody had before. They were able to experience him. And then they were able to testify other people. Not about theology, but about what Jesus made on their own lives. The experiences that they have. So, so don't be afraid because you don't know the whole Bible. You don't memorize all these verses. And what happens if they ask you? I have come to find out that if you're willing, God will back you up. Sometimes I go, oh, God, help me because I don't know what I'm going to say on Sunday. I need you to, to back me up. I need you to put your words so that I can share it. And on Monday, I'm like, ah, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say. And then he always surprises me. By the end of the week, they, we have this message that is, that is unique for us. That is just what he wanted for our lives. So as you continue to walk, as you continue just to say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm not much because I'm not, but I'm willing to do, I'm willing to, I'm committed to your mission. I'm just willing to share what you have done in my life. And then as you do that, he will put words, literally, he will put words in your mouth and you could be the answer that somebody so desperately need, especially on these days. So many people have suffered so much in this season. So many people have lost so much in this season that they only want somebody to come next to them and show them true love. And that's what God has shown us. A love that is not dependent about who we are, that doesn't want to judge us. Just a love that is pure, that he loves us. Just because he loves us. And that's what we need to share out there. So it's a message to remember. It's a message to recalibrate your life. But most importantly, it's a message so that it can give you purpose in life. So that we can join together in mission. So that you can call somebody and say, I know you're going through a difficult situation, but let me show you when I was going through a difficult situation, this is what God did in my life. Just give them faith, hope. Just point them to God so that they can experience the same thing, the same joy, the same peace that I was able to experience when I was just a kid and that I continue to experience day by day as I walk with God. If you can just close your eyes. Oh dear God. You are so good to us. And the foundation of our lives. Is you. Just to be able to know that you are the God of the universe. The, the one that created everything. Because we are able to see with our own hands. The, the marvelous things 
that, that you show us in nature, in our bodies, in creation, in, in how things happen. That they don't happen by, by just, just because, because it does. It's because there is purpose behind everything. And I know that you have purpose behind us. You have shown us that today. And we just want to be disciples that are being transformed by you and committed to your mission. But more than that, give us the strength just to be disciples that make disciples. Just disciples that come along people that are suffering, people that are having problems, people that have lost so much. And to be able to testify the beautiful and wonderful things that you have done in our lives. Allow us to share that love that you have given us in that cross. To be able to share it regardless of who the person is, regardless of what they did to you in the past. Allow us to share that person the love that you have for us. Because your message is for everyone. Because you desire everyone to be saved. And because that message will be said, will be fulfilled at the proper time. And probably that proper time is when we go and talk to people that are in need. Allow us to be that light. Allow us to be that voice in the middle of the desert. In a generation that is so thirsty and they don't even know it our lives we commend to you and thank you Lord thank you for who you are and for what you have done in our lives in Jesus name